here on episode 46 of the Block to Block podcast, the best podcast in the world for all things Web3. Here we break down the technology, what's going on in the market, and the ways in which you can benefit. I am NFT and Jai. I'm here joined today by Ashanda Sanoget, and we're really excited to bring you the Block to Block podcast. Thank so, you for having me. Absolutely. So just have to read this disclaimer, and then I'll get to your bio, and then we can take from there. So for all of our listeners, this podcast is for general information purposes only. In no event will we be liable for any losses, damage derived from the information provided. Please conduct your own due diligence and consult any financial advisor or certified professional advisor when it comes to making choices about your money. And with that, let's get into this bio because I'm super excited with our guest today. So we have Ms. Ashanda Sanoget, who is the founder and CEO of Piggy's Repairs an ed tech organization that focuses on teaching students from the ages eight and up how to repair technical products and gadgets and how to become their own tech repair entrepreneurs. Ashonda has an extensive background in both tech repair and in teaching. And since establishing Piggy's Repairs in 2019, she has impacted the lives of 75 and more students and collectively they have repaired over 1,200 devices. So super excited, you're making a huge impact Bronx, New York, and just excited to have you on today. I'm excited as well. Yeah, so let's kick us let's kick it us off. Like, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and like how did you get here and this part of your journey? Um, my name is Ashonda. Um, again, I'm the founder of Piggy's Repairs, Fix It with Piggy. I never really thought that I would be here in my journey as far as tech goes or even teaching tech. I, I was always just trying to get to the money growing up uh, from college, working in Foot Locker retail. Uh, I started at Assurion, uh, an insurance company for phones. So like if you ever had Verizon Sprint you break your phone and you have to put in a claim, that's the people that you put in the claim with, with the company, Assurion. And um, I was working with them, learning how to do repairs. I decided to leave them to go to the DMV. I wanted something more stable. Yeah, I was like, hey, you know, um, I want a pension, I want savings, I want 401k, I want all of that. Um, but when I went there, it wasn't it wasn't what I thought it would be. Uh, the management team wasn't as supportive as I thought they would be. Um, I didn't feel at home and I'm not used to like I've been grateful and fortunate enough to be in environments where I had nothing but a supportive management team. So that was like really different. My son was a couple months at the time, between three and six months, and um, he had a hole in his kidney, and it was just a lot. I was going from the hospital, going straight to work, and then from work, going to back to the hospital. And with the DMV, you don't have set hours. Although we close at 5 or 6 p.m., we can't leave until the last customer leaves outdoors. Um, yeah, so it was, it was really hard. Um, I asked for some time off so that I can sit with him in the surgery, and I was denied. I was denied so that the manager can go to a graduation, and she asked me to have someone else sit in his surgery and then told me if I did miss the day that I would be written up because I was told um, not to take the day off. So that was the day I decided to quit. I was like, I can't do this. You know, I can't choose between my son and his health and, you know, the, the company that doesn't really care about me. Um, and then I'm like, what am I going to do for money? How am I going to take care of my children? My friends, she was like, well, why don't you just fix stuff on your own? You like fixing stuff. I mean, I know you don't do it anymore. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, it's scary. It's crazy. Like, who's going to pay me to fix their phone? Um, I started with them. I started fixing their phones, posting it on Instagram, and then it became a thing. I was fixing phones from home in 2019. 
Then when the pandemic hit, I started doing pickups and drop-offs. I was fixing phones and tablets in my car. Um, during the pandemic, I would like drive around just to get like some air, get out of the house. That was the only way I could really get out of the house because of the orders and stay-at-home orders. And I was an essential worker, so I was able to take use of the time of being able to get out. And I kept passing this shop, kept passing this shop. I'm like, wow, like, what if I had a shop? And I didn't think that it was possible, but I just kept working. And when I had the money, I was able to make the call. And that was that. Then we got into the shop. It's such a long story. Um, I had the repair shop. Then I met some kids and I was like, wait, what, what if we taught children how to do what I'm doing? Um, and then that's when I was like, yeah, I'm going to try to do like a pitch deck, see how I can create lesson plans. And uh, I shot my shot at Children's Aid Society. And it was like, yeah, let's go. And from Children's Aid Society, I got another contract. And that's when I was faced with the dilemma of keeping my shop and um, teaching students. My partner at the time left. So he didn't want to fix phones anymore. I was left with my technician who later caught COVID a week after my partner left. And then my son started school two weeks after that. And the first two weeks of school was half a day. So explain to me how I'm running a shop. If it's just me, I got to leave to go buy parts. I got to order parts, fix phones, turnaround times, clients, retention. It was a lot. Um, and making that decision was one of the hardest decisions I ever had to make. But I think that it was beneficial. I think that I, I don't regret that decision at all. I'm happy where I am today. I decided to close it October 2022. Um, it is now July 2023, and I have three contracts. So, yeah. Okay, so perfect place to stop because we have a lot to unpack. So, first of all, I want to I want to commend you for you know having the courage to like really go upon upon that journey because you know we all know entrepreneurship is not easy. One thing. You didn't quit your job. You fired your job because they were not conducive to your needs as a human being, as a mother, as somebody who has a child that has, you know, a health condition. So you didn't quit. You definitely fired them. You made an executive. I like that perspective. Yeah. We're <laughs> claiming the power here. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, I, one thing I want to unpack from your story is just like the importance of really having the right people in your circle, right? And like, because you had your friends who were encouraging you, they said, you have this skill set, you have this passion, like, why don't you start going ahead and like repairing devices? And you was the one who had like some of that doubt, but they became your first customers. Can you like t tell us a little bit more about that? Like, just like the importance of like, just having those people in your corner who are like, just gonna like really push you? Yeah, um, it's important. It's important to be surrounded by people who want to see you win. Um, those people are the ones who gave me my nickname, Piggy. Growing up, they used to call me Piggy, and I hated it. Um, they would introduce me as Piggy. So when new people came into the group, now other people are calling me Piggy. And I'm just like, no. Um, but because they're the ones who told me and gave me that push to start, I named the company Piggy. And it's a good conversation starter. It's like a, a piece. Like people see it and they're like, what is that? Who is that? When we had the shop, people would just come in because they want to know what the pig's about. Apparently no one can see that she's holding a screwdriver and a phone. But um <laughs> yeah, so like it, it's extremely important to have people in your circle too that want to see you win because there's no way you can do it alone. Uh, I've been trying to mom alone. I've been trying to be an entrepreneur alone. I've been trying to be me alone. And it's not it's not possible. I don't care what anyone says. 
you need support, even if it's an ear, if it's a push, if it's um, someone that's not necessarily, I wouldn't say the best for you, but someone who's giving you advice you don't like, somebody who's saying things you don't like. You can always use that information to fuel you, right? And like to make changes. So, and I say that because there was someone in the friend group that said things to me that I didn't necessarily like or felt was right. But because of that, it gave me the push to continue and and keep fixing phones and keep posting on Instagram. And because of that, I was able to build more support and have people see what I do and show me like, hey, we're here for you. Absolutely. And another key aspect about that too, like whether they're like your friends or your colleagues who are like your first customers, like with business, one thing I've learned over the years is, is really about that referral system when you're like starting something from scratch and you have no brand recognition, no nothing. Like word of mouth will make or break your business. But like the fact that they are not only are your first customers, they are introducing you to like future customers and like having you really do that snowball effect as well. Right. So you know, shout out to the friends who call you Piggy. <laughs> right, right. And I learned that from Verizon, like customer reports, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I was even able to take some of the things that I've learned in retail and apply it to being a business a woman and an entrepreneur and create that environment for my clients to keep them coming back. We love returning customers. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm curious. So you've been doing this business for like a while now, like being a tech repair technician if i believe is the correct term so like what are like some of the skills one needs to know like i'm thinking about like shows like kim possible like wade when you have to be like that whiz kid that knows like every technical thing like does it have to go this deep or like how do you go about even like teaching yourself or learning the skills needed to be a tech repair to next Uh year I think it's easy. I think that Kim Possible is like the web development and all the coding stuff. And I'm going to start learning that soon. I think that's more that side. Um, I, when it comes to hardware, it's more of like a system. And when you follow the system and you get it done right the first time, you just follow it backwards. It's taking it out, you know, in an order and then going back in that order and reverse. Um once you, I think that once you learn how to fix a device, you'll start to under, get a better understanding of where to start, how to open these devices up. And all of the information is there. You can research teardowns of how devices are open. I still have to learn. The more they produce phones, the more I have to learn. I'm always learning something about Samsung because they don't stop producing phones, you know, and they don't all open the same way. They don't all have the same things, you know, and you have to be very careful with certain cables and opening them up. But, um, I think that hardware repair is really easy. That's why I'm like, why can't we teach children? Um, it's kind of like a skill set, a motor skill set, you know, for children and having to pinpoint certain um, shapes, colors, you know, right. and, and connect them and know where to remove this and where to remove that. I think it's the easiest entry into tech as well. And so I'm like, let's get these kids in because I've had kids be in my program and say, hey, I'm okay with the hardware, but I'd rather find out how the computer thinks. Like, okay. You know, it's like an introduction. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I think you brought up a great point as well, right? Like that introduction into tech, right? We all, we hear how like STEM is like really huge. We're not teaching enough of our children or like the next generation about STEM, which is why we have like a lot of those like educated individuals from foreign countries coming in, taking in a lot of those, those jobs. And so, 
just using hardware or like just tech repair as like an intro to tech that's like an angle i haven't even thought about before right so and that's interesting because you start with children at the age of eight to like a wide range like high school students to like older people so like can you tell us a little bit more about that like how is it like like going about like teaching these young people like are they getting really engaged with like the hardware side of things or what are you seeing with the young people um a variety of things i've noticed in um my classes some of them are interested they've never seen the inside some of them are like yeah i just have to sit here and others are like well that's interesting but i want to know more right so it's just trying to figure out and um incorporate everyone's strengths um yeah. so when I get the kids, um, I try, I wouldn't say dumb down the verbiage, but um, I try to get it into language that they would understand and correlate it to things that make sense to them so that they can tie the two together. Um, and then we go from there, right? Um, there's so many different methods. It depends on the group of children, honestly, um, because I can have two groups. One of my contracts, I have the same age groups, um, but there's four different groups, two boys, two girl groups, and they all learn differently. They're all different. Um, so I just, like I said, I try to incorporate everyone's strengths. For the children that aren't really interested, those are my helpers. Those are the ones passing out papers. Then I'm trying to get them to be less distractive. They're helping me write stuff on the board. Because those that's, their, that's what they want to do. That's how I get them involved. And then yeah. the other children who's going to sit down, I kind of like younger students, I'll break down the shapes. And it's kind of the same with older. So my youngest classes and my older eldest like the elder group um we break it down into shapes we kind of like get it dumbed down so to speak so that they can better understand what what's going on oh the star is a pentelope all iphones open this way so they know to pick up that same screwdriver every mm -hmm. time they go to open up a phone um and just try to make it as easy as possible so that they can understand that it's just the words that are scary the parts are scary but once you get to doing it it's not that scary Right, right. And like you said before, it's like teaching them that system of, okay, if you, even though like, like companies like Samsung, they may be like iterations of like this generation of phones versus that generation of phones. I can't imagine the hardware changing drastically where like the way you learned how to take down a product beforehand is going to be completely different than before than the newest one, right? So like you said, you're teaching the system, you're getting them comfortable with like these concepts. And that, I guess, will really produce that foundation where they're able to just like pick it up a lot more quickly moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they would start to know entry points and know how to open it. Some of them won't even have to do research. Once they start opening it, they can start following the cable, see where that's placed on the motherboard, see what else is connected and start disconnecting from there. Um, once they, you just start getting into the rhythm of it, you can start like doing trial and error and it'll work. And like all the research is there, all, everything's on Google. So once you have the foundation and the basics, because I still have to research, like I said, new phones, the iPhone 14 came out. That opens completely different than the other devices. So I had to sit down and review the teardown to see how I would open it without damaging anything inside the phone. Um, so we're always in the same space. And that's why I try to tell them, even though I know a little bit more as far as it goes with opening the phone, once we end this class, we're all going to be on the same page. We're all going to be on the same level. We're all going to know how to do the same things. And right. I think that's the best part is being identical to the children. I don't come in superior and try to make them feel like I'm the adult. No, we're all here to learn and we all learn from one another. 
So right. yeah, just creating that environment for them. Okay, that's that's really, really cool. Yeah, really cool. So in terms of like the devices or the products, like what, what type of devices do you focus on? Is it like simply all phones? Are you like doing tablets as well? Like what kind of devices are the students working on? Um, so we work on iPhones, some Samsungs, um, Androids. Um, we work on iPads, tablets, um, and desktops, laptops. Yeah. So basically everything is sounds yeah. like. Yeah, consoles. <laughs> I mean, if we could open it, I'm bringing it to class. I've had them fixing. Sometimes it's not on our curriculum, right? Um, somebody will call me. I like to share my live repairs with them. So when I have a live client, I'll bring the, the device in and it makes them a little more like safer. They want to like not really touch certain things and look, you know, it gets some, I think it gets their attention more because it's like, okay, there's somebody on the receiving end of this device um, and we want them to be happy. It gives them that, that lift instead of just having a dummy phone and trying to fix it. Um, and one time I had a PlayStation 4, so I brought it into class and we opened it up and found a bunch of roaches. Um yeah, we, we find a lot of nasty stuff inside of these things. Really? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So pretty much if we could open it, I'm going to, I really don't say I can't fix anything. I'm going to take it and figure it out. Okay. That's what's up. That's what's yeah. up. Yeah. So, um, okay. You, you did also mention something a bit earlier that I don't want people to miss out on, right? When you started um, Piggy Repairs, you know, you made your pitch deck, you started pitching to organizations and you secure contracts. Can you like tell us a little bit more about like that whole process? Like how, like, let's start at step one. Like what is a pitch deck? Like how do you even go about pitching to an organization? Um, It's kind of like a PowerPoint presentation for me. That's what okay. I did. Um, I created a presentation. I wanted to, what I did was kind of brainstorm and said, what would I want to see if someone was trying to sell me a program? I'm a mom, so you know? So like I was just trying to figure out points and things that would trigger me to be interested into the program. Um, I did some research about programs in my area and I just did like a mass email. I, I didn't group all of them together, but I sat down one day and I sent my pinch deck out to uh, a bunch of organizations and schools in my community. Uh, the only barrier between receiving these contracts is funding the Bronx, uh, the schools and organizations in the Bronx is underfunded. So they're not really equipped to take the program on. And I'm trying to figure out ways to incorporate that. But um, yeah, it was just creating PowerPoints and putting my bio, putting what we're about, our mission, our goal, um, what we've accomplished thus far um, and what we want to do and how we can benefit. That's another good thing. Like I had to I learned that I had to gear my pitch deck to each of the schools that I'm applying to or asking to partner with, right? Um, I would do research and see how they would benefit us and how we would benefit them and try to solve a problem. Um, not just saying, hey, just pay us to come in and teach the children more, right? Like I've come in with a solution as well. And I think that's how I, I kind of get them like, oh, what's this chick? What's she talking about, right? Um, because there's a problem somewhere, everywhere. Or there's some way we can collaborate or align. And I put that in the pitch deck and show them how we can align both corporations, theirs and mine, and then see where we go from there. Yeah. And another value add that your program brings to these educational institutions, I can imagine, is, you know, there's a lot of tech programs out there, which is, which is great for children, like programs that teach kids how to like code, how to do things a lot more on the digital end. But the fact that 
unless I'm just mistaken, I don't think there's as many programs that teach kids how to like work with actual hardware versus like everything's more of the software perspective, right? So you have this aspect of like a tangible a tangible skill, right? Like something you can hold in your hand, like you're taking on your toolkit, you're getting into devices and you're fixing them. That seems a lot more accessible to students in general. So I, I think that's like another way in which you put yourself in a great advantage, right? Because there's so many programs out there that's teaching you how to do stuff on software, but not as many with hardware. Right, right. And I've, it could be another software program or another thing that can do what we're learning to do in coding and stuff, right? Like essentially tech keeps growing and they might build something to do what we just learned to do. But there's nothing that's fixing these stuff by itself. There's no machines that's sitting there pulling Mac computers apart and pulling it together, right? Like things right. are always going to break and we're always going to be needed. So I, that's why I'm trying to teach them a skill set, um, something that they can use now and as they grow. And also, it's not just about teaching them or giving them the knowledge. It's setting them up and supporting them. Um, a lot of my fears from graduating came from me not having experience. Um, I just graduated with my CompTIA A-plus certification. Um, but having that support, like you're looking for jobs or looking for contracts and they're looking for experience and you don't have that references or referrals. So that's another part where my, my company comes in. We've sent students off to college fixing phones for us or putting them in connection with other people with tech companies we know that are hiring, um, giving them references, referrals, letting the jobs that they're applying for know that, hey, they, this person or this student was great. He knows what he's doing. He did such and such and helping them build like a resume so they can go to these different companies and show them like, look, I've been I've been doing this. So mm -hmm. it's not just in the classroom. It's setting them up for if they want to start their own tech business or if they want to do a nine to five. They have people that they can reach out to um, to help them get where they're going. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the phenomenal aspect of it as well. Right. Like teaching these students the skill set of how can you position yourself or market yourself as a expert like you're a technician you can go into any company where it's probably not that many individuals who actually knows how to do the repairs so you can you're setting yourself out within the market and like you said as well maybe they just want to have their own tech repair company as well and do it like how you did at the beginning yeah yeah awesome awesome so one thing i do want to highlight is the fact that you've been in business for like four years right you've been doing this you evolved from you know, having like a few customers to doing like a direct to consumer delivery service to having your own storefront, closing down your storefront, evolving into this education no type platform, right? Like you had a lot of evolutions within just a short four year period. So, you know, first of all, congrats, because you just celebrated your four year anniversary, like last week, was it? Yes, yes. Yeah, Thank so, you. Yes, congrats on that. But just interested to know, like, what are, like, some of the biggest lessons you learned from, like, just that business perspective of what it takes to run a company? Learn when to let go. Learn mm -hmm. when to ask for help. And don't stop. I learned not to stop when to ask for help and when to let go. I think those are the biggest, biggest lessons that I've learned. Um, I know that things may look different had I learned this lesson a long time ago, but things happen for a reason. Um, mm -hmm. Things fall where they fall for a reason. But um, my journey has has taught me that. And I feel like turning into education and knowing that stuff now, I know that we would 
we're gonna outsource piggies repairs in the shop and stuff because now we have a better position um and moving forward being an entrepreneur and running a business is hard and again like i said earlier before you can't do it alone um that's one of my biggest things like i'm always trying I, I even get an assistant and i don't know how to task my assistant because i'm like i could just do it better but i'm gonna just do this and i could just fix it and i'm gonna pay attention to these details it's so hard for me to even let go right and i'm like i'm not getting enough done um Mm. Yeah, so those were the, those were the many lessons I learned. The three lessons I learned. I love it, and and it's tough too, right? Because people often make the comparison of your business is like your baby, and it's hard to like give your baby away to a stranger and let them do the input, right? Like especially when it's like you're like a one person team, like coming up with the idea, putting the groundwork, talking to customers, pitching like crazy, doing the delivery. To now you have or organization and you need to know how to manage people, which is like a totally different skill set altogether. Yeah, it is. I think that I manage people better than I do with the business. Um, but that's a good part because that's I can build the team. So now I'm just starting from scratch. I just hired my first uh, tech instructor. So hey. um, yeah, we started today at, together at um, Henry Street. And it was beautiful. We like connect very well. I think that during the interview process, the process, and then just within the last couple of weeks, getting to know him um, made a great decision. And I'm just looking to expand so that we can have more tech instructors go out to more sites um, yeah. and just learning to manage, you know, people essentially. Right. And that, that really gets into like scalability, right? Like how scaling your business. So it's not like just you having to go to all these sites, but now you have a team and you can get much larger coverage throughout uh, the Bronx or whatever right, location. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's dope. That's dope. So one question I want to ask, I know the viewers are probably wondering. So on this podcast, we usually focus on like blockchain technology or Web3 technology from like crypto, NFTs, metaverse, what have you. And so just interested to know, like, have you been experiencing or like seeing these technologies kind of come to play as you're doing like tech repair stuff? I am. And I did get interested. I started doing some research. Um, I don't think that that's my field of tech, but I did read and um, see that with all of this stuff, it's going to be like a huge hit and need for like cybersecurity and having extra web security. Right. And I'm in a fellowship now for web development. So... We'll see where that goes. I might like hit my blockchain and get my way into that that tech field, but I'm not sure yet. I'm still learning coding and I'm scared. That is scary. Them numbers and letters and stuff mixed together. That is scary. But um, yeah, we'll see because I think that, like I said, a lot of the children, some of them like the hardware and some of them like software. Some of them like see how the computer thinks and want to get deep inside of it. And once I know how comfortable I am with taking on that information and actually instructing it, uh, we'll be adding it to our courses. But as of now, just let me, let me take it in first. Cause that's yeah. a lot. I was like, right, web three is similar to web two and then the blockchains. And yeah, I was like, Oh wow, this is a lot. Yeah. And it's still very early too, right? Like yeah. whole web three industry, like from just really that infrastructure and hardware perspective, a lot of it is still not even, fully fleshed out right so yeah so actually you're in a great position like having that hardware 
background is probably going to put you in a great position. Now you develop your transition over to like web development. So actually, like, why are you getting into like web development? Like, what kind of inspired that? You like get into the fellowship and because I don't know how to stop. I feel like okay. I know hardware, like the back of my hand. I mean, of course, you're always learning with new devices. This laptops you could give me, I don't know how to open now. I would have to research, but I know what I'm doing and I want to learn more in tech. I want to be more in tech. I've been out here into like these networking events and going to tech socials and I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. I want to know what they're talking about. <laughs> That's the, I want to I want to be down too. I want to understand and I want to expand. I may not like it and I'm okay with not liking it, but I want to learn it first before I say I can't do it or I don't like it. Um and again, that just gives more that I it gives me more that I can give the children. Um it's not about expanding the program for numbers. I'm losing money doing what I'm doing now actually. But the fact that I can take this and give it with love, like you can teach these things and they could go on websites, but they're not going to receive the same thing they receive sitting in my class. I have a video of a kid today. His name is Javon. He is 14. And um, he was acting too cool for school when I first came in. At the end of the class, I got a recording of him. And he was like, no, I actually like it. I think I'm going to come back. I think I'm going to do it. Yeah, mm -hmm. miss. Yeah, Miss Kid, so you gonna get my toolkit on Tuesday? I'm like, yeah, you know. So I'm um, just showing that love and seeing how kids like they think they don't want it, but they do want it. And if I can teach more, if I can attract more, and bring more kids in, have them sitting in seats instead of the streets, I'm I'm gonna do it. Mm, have them sitting in seats instead of the streets. You know, we have it here, man. Piggy repairs is solving the problems with society, with education, and the youth. I'm you know. Trying. Shoot, y'all better cut that grant money. <laughs> <laughs> right? True. But speaking of, of money, you're actually doing something really cool in August. You having, you're putting together a fundraiser specifically yeah. to raise funds to like impact the program more, right? So can you like tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. So um, like I said, we were getting some contracts in and potential leads, but the pricing is an issue. Um, yeah, I can't pay for students to have toolkits, um, electromagnetic mats and smocks and the phones. The phones themselves is expensive, you know, iPads, tablets, computers. To have these things, I have to purchase them broken, to purchase the parts for them. We have to foresee the kids breaking the parts. So they need replacement parts for the parts that they're learning on. Um, yeah, it's a lot. And um, I'm like, dang, we can't close contracts simply just because of the, the lack of funding, the lack of having the resources. So I figured let's put together a fundraiser and get the community together. Let's put our money together so that we can give these things to the children and the fees would no longer be a problem. I mean, if they told me they couldn't afford the instructor fee, I would still do it. Honestly, I have done so with Children of Promise. I've been volunteering for them. They only reimburse me for the funds um, for the toolkits that we provide. And then I will provide if there's additional kids. Um, I meet up with like other tech companies or other people that I know and see if they'll donate devices for us. So essentially, that's just to, to get rid of that fee thing. And if we can raise enough funds, we can provide these students with toolkits and the materials it would take for them to successfully complete our course. Also, we're trying to um, collect more funds so that we can cover the Apple certification exam fees. There's no 
age limit on the Apple certification exam. So if we find that the students are equipped enough to understand the terminology and the language and the preparation guides, then we're going to host classes to prepare them for these exams and pay for their exams so that they're Apple certified. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, you bring a great point as well, right? You're making a huge impact. You're teaching these students how to, you know, take down devices, but it's expensive. It's a lot of capital from like the parts, the equipment, the hardware. You need a lot of bread just to like really run this operation successfully. Yeah, it's like $600 a, a student to fully supply them with everything. The phone, the parts, the materials, the cool, the um, heat gun, you know, and you have to make sure that they're safe, that they have all the things that they need. Um, so we're even looking for people, if you can't make it, to even sponsor a child and donate to a child so that they can secure their seat in the, the classes. Mm, yeah. So what's the fundraising goal for the for the gala event? Um, we're trying to raise $10,000. Um, okay. That day is going to be really big. We have a professional barber who agreed to give boys or even girls free haircuts. Um, we have a professional hair braider who said she would give free hair braiding uh, hairstyles to any of the children. Um, we have a free coding station. My old business partner agreed to do 30 minute sessions and let the kids sit on the laptops and see if they like the code because they might want to uh, join a future coding session or coding class with her. Um, I have a baking station and she's going to be baking cupcakes and having the children decorate their cupcakes. Um, we have some great guest speakers coming. News 12 agreed to cover the um, event. So like, I'm just trying to get more people on board and see how much we can give back to the community while we're like, I know that we're asking for money, but essentially it's for the children. Um, we have a, a company that is teaching culinary to children. So they'll be serving us our three course dinner at the end of the night. It's just, it's going to be dope. It's going to be really dope. I'm just trying to, like I said, get black vendors or um, minority vendors so that these children can walk in a space and see people that look like them actually working for them and seeing them saying like, hey, we support you guys. So um, yeah, it's going to be dope. Pop-up shop during the day, dinner at night, and then everybody go home. Man, yeah, that's that's exciting. I, I'm excited for it. And it's yeah. August the 5th? Yes, August 5th from 3 to 8. Definitely. So if you're listening, you know, the Eventbrite ticket will be in the description below. Definitely pop out. Definitely support. Even if you can't attend, like you said, you can like donate to and like even sponsor a child or donate whatever you can to like really help out the cause. You know, $10,000, you know, that's an achievable goal that we can all reach together as a community. Yeah, that would help us see at least eight children. Wow. Yeah. Eight so lives. Yeah, yeah, um, which is dope. And that's that's good because I can, like I said, get other devices. I'm always, I always have people coming to me, giving me broken things. But the more we expand, the less we can do. That's the problem. Like with yeah. one contract and two contracts, the little donations and the devices I get suffices. But now that we're expanding and people want us, it's like, okay, I can't put the bill for this anymore. Um, yeah. Right. So I just want everyone to get on board so we can reach more kids. It's not about the money. It's about giving them what they need. And I think it's a perfect time too, like free haircuts and braiding and school's about to start. Because I was going to get a haircut before popping up, but shoot, and now. Yeah, you see? I might a free just, haircut. I might just show up bummy. And just get <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. And then the fact that we're all wearing all black and we're coming out as a for gala style, gala style, um, 
is important to me too. We usually don't have times where we get to dress up and, and celebrate ourselves. I want the kids to dress up wearing tux, tuxedos and suits and dresses and, you know, celebrate yourself because we deserve it. And we don't need to wait for other people to create an environment for us to say we did it. So that's a, that's another, another thing. Everyone all black, everyone dressed up, everyone to the T and show these kids that we are like really here for them. Definitely. And I, a couple more questions about the fundraiser, because I remember when we met each other at a conference back in May and, you know, we was chatting it up and then you was just like sitting off in the corner at one point, just writing down copious notes. And then you say, I just have this idea for the fundraiser, right? Oh, you would. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, and you were saying like, you never even done one before, but it sounds like you're doing it big already, like from all the vendors, like the media coverage, like, can you tell us like, what have you learned so far throughout this whole organization process? I know it hasn't happened yet, but <laughs> you're in the weeds right now. Oh, man, it's a lot. It's a lot. I be coming up with these ideas and I don't know. I, I get into them. I'm like, what did I get myself into? It's a lot of work and a lot of details and things that I'm like learning. I'm making a lot of mistakes. Let that be known. I am making a lot of mistakes, but I'm learning from them. Um, I'm just putting myself into courses and I'm researching and doing like webinars for networking and for fundraising. There are webinars like specifically for fundraiser, how to um, obtain sponsorships, how to obtain tickets and sales and marketing and things of that nature. So a lot of this, although I'm generating vendors and I'm bringing people to the table, most most of this time I was learning, I was researching, I'm like Googling and um, like I said, attending webinars and taking notes and applying them and doing trial and error, see what works and what doesn't. Right. And, and that's great because not only are you learning, like oftentimes, right, for those of us who may get excited, we get a bit ambitious, we'll take action by like learning something like taking a class, reading a book. But then it gets to a point where you get analysis paralysis, right? You just want to keep researching and keep researching and not take action. But you are taking action in the middle of learning, which I think is the best way to do it because experience is the best teacher. Yeah, I'm impulsive, sometimes to a fault, but I'm impulsive. Yeah. And then um, I think it puts the foot in my behind, too. Like, it's kind of like it's too late. You posted about it already. So, you know, like, it's kind of like just pushing me out there so I don't stop. Um, then I'm, like, catching a vendor. Now I have a vendor. What you going to do? Say you canceled? Like, you know, now you got to keep working. And now exactly. people are starting to see traction. Hey, look, now I'm on here. Now I got to make sure everything looks really nice. You know, it is, keeps, it's just putting that, that foot in my behind to make sure that I keep going and don't stop. Because it's easy to stop. It's easy to give up. It's, it's easy to just lay in bed under the blanket and not do the work. But, um... Yeah, I just I'm just going to keep doing it until I, I see what happens. And then I honestly feel like even if this year doesn't go the way that I want it to go, that's just a bigger foot in my behind for next year because we want to do it again. Mm -hmm. Right. Because this could be really your hallmark annual event, right? The yeah, yeah. Right. Gala. <laughs> <laughs> or what's what's the official name? What's the official name of the, it's the all black fundraising gala? Okay. Pizza with piggies, all black fundraising gala. Okay, I called it the piggy gala. That's my first mistake. Yeah, my name is too long for the fundraiser. Just learned that. 
Yeah, but we keeping it until next year. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love it. Anything else you want to mention to the about the fundraiser to the viewers? Um, no, I just want you guys to come support. Like I said, if you can't, you can always hit the link and donate. Um, we're gonna have the pop-up shop, so it's gonna be really dope to have children. All kids five and under are free. Um, and you just look on the event bright, you can see the code for kids that are five and under. Um, everything like the the highest ticket includes the pop-up shop and it includes the dinner. And at the end of the night, that's when we'll be able to kind of like network, speak with one another, and they'll even be able to personally meet these children that are in the program. The kids are going to be giving testimonies and doing performances. Oh, we're having a picture-thon. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So the program that I'm in, um, one of the businesses, he's like um, teaching children how to create businesses and like they, he's giving them like concrete ideas or they can create their own and they're going to do a pitch, a business pitch. So I was like, well, why you don't have them do it at the fundraiser? Um, so yeah, we're, we're working on that. I'm waiting to get on the call with him so we can discuss the specifics, but we're even going to have them doing a pitch-a-thon. So it's going to be really dope and I don't want anyone to miss it because it's, it's going to be big. Okay, Shark Tank or Piggy Tank. <laughs> yeah, Piggy Tank. Yeah, shoot. Yeah, you yeah. run with that. I I like that piggy tank. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah. So, anything else you want to like really leave with the people in terms of like advice for those who are like thinking about starting an entrepreneur journey within tech, but are like just kind of scared? They don't know where to start. Any advice on how to, you know, be a bit more like you and just like take action? Just do it. There's nothing, just do it. Um, and just one thing is don't don't strive to be strong. Strive to be resilient. I think strength is in every one of us. Um, being strong means that you can withstand large amounts of pressure. Being resilient means that you're able to snap back into your original condition, into your original shape. And the problem with being strong is that you get worn out and you get tired and it's going to be hard not to give up. But being resilient allows you to be human. It allows you to feel. It allows you to cope. It allows you to fail and grow, right? And then after you do all of that and you're saying, hey, I can't swim. I'd rather float. That's okay. Float. Because once you're done floating, you can always start swimming and get back to where you once started or where you need to be. And once you get there, you're going to realize, bro, I've been strong this whole time. I've been floating for hours. Then I started swimming back to, you know what I mean? So, um one of my biggest things were trying was trying to be strong and it's okay to not be strong some days. I swear it's, it's being a single mom running a business. It's hard. And yeah. I had to realize that being strong is, is not what I want to be. I don't care what anyone says, but being resilient is important because I'm allowed to be sad. I'm allowed to make mistakes. And when I get up, I'm going back to being that person that sound focused, woman and, and attacking my goals all over again so just be resilient and don't give up just do it amen to that wise words from the wise ashonda right that did sound wise right a little bit shoot <laughs> you know you should have saved that for the gala i know i'm gonna say it again because that's right. why i've been honestly i came came up with that i didn't like really think to say it but I've been journaling that to myself. That's how I came up. I've been I started journaling uh, a month ago, and 
I wrote that to myself and that really resides with me. And I have to remind myself even now, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to feel like you don't got it. Sometimes we really don't got it and that's okay. You know, uh, we see everyone else's success stories and we want to get there, but we don't realize that in their success story, they're not mentioning the failures. They're not mentioning the days they couldn't get up. They're not mentioning the lonely and the dark hours, you know, um, they want everything to sound great and it's not all great until you get there. So you got to learn how to get through it. And yeah, um, yeah, that was kind of wise for me. It was for me, but hopefully it helps somebody else because I'd be going through it. <laughs> True. But, you know, that's that's why it's important to be resilient. Right. And understand that it's a marathon. It's a journey. It's not a race. And it's something that you have to do day in, day out. Mm -hmm. Thank you again for your wise words, Thank for, you. for your journey. You know, shout us out to you for your four year anniversary and for the fundraising gala that's going to happen on August the 5th. Link will be in the description below for you guys who are viewing. Please tell us where the people can reach out to you and follow you. Um, you can follow me via Instagram at Fix It With Piggy. Um, go to my website, fixitwithpiggy.com. You can schedule your repairs there. Um, you can even get repair courses there. And you can bring me in one of your schools. If somebody's in a school, they know a school. They know a profit, a nonprofit. You're thinking about making a nonprofit? Come partner with me. Yes, absolutely. Well, this has been episode 46 of the Block to Block podcast. We had a special one. Thank you all for watching. Please make sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share out with your loved ones. I'm NFT and Jai. Peace. <laughs>